Hey guys, uh, this is Jay. Real quick before Tracy and Ruth get here, I wanted to uh, give you a little heads up. You'll have noticed that the title of this episode refers to comparing fractions. And that's true. We cover, um, this is in fact the first of two episodes in which we cover a presentation that Tracy gave recently about comparing fractions to uh, some of the teachers she works with. That being said, we talk about a lot of other things before we actually get to the fractions. Um, but I did want you to hang in there if that's what you're looking for. In fact, if you are only interested in comparing fractions, you can jump forward to about 26 or 27 minutes, and that's where we start the discussion. I'll put the exact time to jump to in the program notes. So we'll get back to it now. Thanks. Three mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 79. I'm Tracy Prophet. I'm Ruth Arkiaga. And I'm Jay Prophet. And we are excited to share a couple of updates of just things that have happened this week that are pretty cool at school. And then um, I didn't rhyme on purpose there, Jay Prophet. And then we will, um, we're going to talk about comparing fractions, which I'm and excited about. And that's the coolest. That is the coolest, actually. Yes. So, Ruth, why don't you go first and tell us about um, what happened with mental math and subtraction at school th- this week? So, we are adding and subtracting decimals and they know the algorithm, but we were really on the struggle bus for if I said you have seven tenths and you need one and two tenths, how many tenths do you need? Like there's just this automatic, go get your paper pencil, write 1.2 and line it up. And so I went back to, um, some of the strategies that I had recorded when we were in a flipped classroom and, Strategies for like about whole all number subtraction? Well, when I did the video, that's where I started, right? Whole number subtraction, and then we would use it. So we did counting up and we did compensation. And um, <laughs> I had named the strategies whatever I wanted to because I didn't know <laughs> they had real names back in 2010 <laughs> when I made that's it. That's awesome. Um, like take some off to make the problem easy and put it back on the end. <laughs> I don't. Well, that flows um, so naturally out of the mouth that yeah. I can't imagine that's not what didn't well, stay. Well, we just, it, it worked. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I confessed in the video that there was a name probably that I was not aware of. But <laughs> that's funny. this is the strategy I used when I subtract. And so I pulled out the hundreds chart feeling like, you know, these sixth graders, they could, they already know this. But I was just surprised especially one morning when a student came for extra tutoring. Um, This is a student who, if I said you have seven, how many do you need to get to 10? She literally had to put up all 10 fingers and then she put down seven and then she had three left every time. Wow. Even when she had one and she needed to get to 10. So I showed her the hundreds chart and how if you're going to do 37 minus nine, you can go straight down because that's minus 10 and then back one 
and you can get your answer. And we talked about why that worked. And she just had this, like, really? I mean, (laughs) like her facial expressions and just the whole idea of, does that really work all the time? Mm -hmm. So, and yesterday was fun because I told my students about the time that I went to McDonald's and um, shared with the manager that their sign out front that said 79 hundredths of a cent for a sausage biscuit was way better of a deal than they were wanting to (laughs) give away. And they rolled their eyes at you. They oh, did. Just they give like, me your penny you... and I'll give you a biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> what's it called? Um, big brained. That's what they. That's what they said. Missy, you big brained the manager. Uh-huh. And I was like, I didn't. I was just very, very respectful and said, if you would like to be correct, you need to take that decimal off and say that your sausage biscuits cost seventy nine whole cents and not seventy nine hundredths of a cent. Yeah. How do they um, react? Not the kids, the people like, at McDonald's. <laughs> he just was like, really? I never knew that that's what the scent sign was oh, for. Cool. And so, you know, he got a little math lesson. Yeah. Yeah, that's why we have a dollar sign and a scent sign. So you can tell us what you're talking about as a whole. Cool. And so if you put the scent sign, it's whole sense. And then when you put the decimal, it's part of that yeah. whole cent. <laughs> so they haven't messed up since. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> right? Um. I'm I'm curious when you so far I'm curious about two things. When you made this video of subtraction strategies, they were like literally just coming out of your head of things that you use. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. Okay. And now we have Sherry Parrish's book to look at for that if you need some. <laughs> if someone else <laughs> right. is going to make a video, you can start there. That's one good place. Um, my second question is when you say compensation, can you explain what you're talking about there? So I think that I did compensation wrong, but <laughs> okay, because, okay. So compensation that I taught in the video was the distance between two numbers. So if I was doing 40 minus 27, I could shift on a, on a number line and say 39 minus 26. Okay. So I think that, um, most, well, I'm not going to say most. I I have think that I've heard that called constant difference. Hmm. Before, I've heard it called okay. slip and slide. <laughs> you just made that up, just like Ruth had made up the names. <laughs> I didn't make up a funny, cutesy name to remember. I just called it by what you were doing because maybe that was compensation. Like if I was doing forty minus twenty seven. I could do 39 minus 27 and oh. then put it back on at the end. Wait. Wait, 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 wait. But there's two different strategies, right? Yeah. Okay. So one of them I called change it to a friendly number and put it back on the answer. And then the other one was compensation. <laughs> I wish you could see Jay Profit. <laughs> He's laughing like a big old belly laugh. <laughs> Okay. I call that one change it to a number I like better and then make it work in the end. Yeah. Okay. Well, nonetheless, there are fantastic strategies for for subtraction and I'm glad you're teaching them to your kids because, yeah. Do you feel like overall the they're getting them and they're using them yet or you're just too early in that? 
Um, so I have to be honest, I was a little disappointed when I graded their addition and subtraction test. Yeah. I purposely put like mental math problems on their test. Like I'm looking at it right now and I have 9.5 plus or nine and five tenths plus one and five hundredths. And I can't tell you how many kids lined up their decimals and added it or nine and a half minus one and five hundredths instead of just the other one I did was true values like subtract five hundredths from five tenths. Um, and yeah, I don't know if it was a test and so they wanted to check their work, but unfortunately the most missed question on the test was three plus 1.5 plus four because we just lined up our digits on the right side and didn't think about what they were. I even, we even spent a long time like talking about how you can think more about mental math when you say the problem audibly like if you say three plus one and five tenths i feel like you have a lot less chance of saying it's 18 hundredths yeah because it doesn't make sense but when you're just looking at it on paper that's where you go like to line that up so that was really my goal yeah um and you know there's kids who have it written down i don't know if they used mental math or not but it's it's just something you have to constantly say. What strategy did you use? That's why number talks are so important. Thanks for sharing that. Um, let us know how your mental math, you know, strategies go with number talks coming up in the future. Right, and multiplications coming. So Woo-hoo. we're gonna kind of you know hit those strategies yeah. too. Good. All right. Um, I just wanted to share that. Um, I started work on our grant, the SMILE grant, and I've talked about it before, but in case you haven't listened, you didn't listen to that episode, I'll fill you in real fast. Um, We, with a group of, with a teacher, a librarian, a um, teacher assistant, and now we have another member of History Winter team, our family community, our family liaison, I think is her name, her title. Um, We started this project at our school that was funded with a grant through our local education foundation. It's called SMILE, and that stands for Seeing Myself in the Library Everywhere. And the main idea is that we're going to get a group of 12 students to research who is represented in our library, particularly in the fiction section and the biography section. And when I say who, I mostly mean by race, um, who is represented there. And then we are going to find out the um, racial overall racial makeup of our school and see what we can do to make our school library better rep- match the, you know, ma- the mathematical racial makeup of our school, get move towards that. Um, and then they're going to have to do a presentation about what they find out. And then the part that I think will be super exciting for them is to then pick out $2,000 worth of books to add to our library in order to do that. And then they'll follow up with doing some book talks and sort of being like library experts at that point, hopefully, um, to kind of guide their friends to finding books that they might like. So I... Um, and, and I, it, this came from, it came from a lot of places, but one of the main things is, you know, I've heard 
been hearing about social justice math, but I feel like it's always high school or maybe middle school, but mostly high school context. And, um, you know, I've been trying to think about what does that look like in elementary school? And this idea came to me at some point. And um, then the the grant money offer came at this, you know, like submit a grant. And it just was like, oh, I'll put those two ideas together. Anyway, so we started this week and we put out a video of like introducing the idea to kids and we, um, which I'll put on the show notes, our little intro video. And I, I wasn't, I had no idea what kind of response we'd have from the students, but we had like 32 or 34 kids wow. say they were interested. That's and great. It's just open to fourth and fifth graders. Um, so narrowing that down to 12 kids was tough. Yeah. Um, so did you do like an application? Well, we did like a little Google form and they had to answer, you know, their teacher, their name, whatever. And and it was just two questions, three questions. Do you feel like you see yourself represented in the library? That was just yes or no. Do you, um, why do you want to participate? And do you have any questions? And yeah, that was it. It was, it was super minimal. Um, and we got some really good answers. And, you know, th- those were the kids that were easy to pick first, the ones who had, like, you know, just good answers about what the- why they wanted to participate. And then from there, we picked, you know, other kids that we knew something about them or their answer was, you know, decent. You know, it was it was not a very scientific selection process. So but- did the kids know that they would have to be selected when they um, got on Google Forms? Um or did they I feel mean, like I volunteered, so they're going to pick? Like I think I'm gonna we. Get to I do mean, it. we said we're going to choose a group of twelve students in our video. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't know that we've said like, you know, I don't think we conveyed it as write a really good, uh, you know, essay. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> this is a highly competitive thing. Yeah, but it w- I was just blown away by how many kids said yes. They they were interested. So that are we meet for the first time with the kids. We're going to do it on Zoom um, because we have about. Um, you know, some, some kids are on cohort A, some kids are on cohort B, which means they're coming to school. And then a a few more kids are remote. So our biggest group is the remote group. And we're going to start meeting together on this coming Monday. But then I'm I'm assuming we'll meet in small groups. I don't know. We're working out all the details as we fly this plane. (laughs) So I feel like that's a really, I mean, if someone were listening and maybe they didn't have $2,000 to add to their library. They could start the research of what is in their library. Mm-hmm. And then I, you think, know, I feel like it's something that you could do without necessarily having a grant. And I think if you do the research and find the representation, that is great evidence to go to somebody to find money to, to add books or to, you know, right. sure. I think that's a great, not just, we need more books, yeah. but. I mean, I think I think a classroom teacher could do this. Yeah. Uh, you know, when they get to like their data unit, you know, um, I don't know how COVID plays into that, but take out COVID times, you know, spend a day or two of your math time down in the library, literally having them pick books off the shelf, look at them, record it in a, in a spreadsheet, put it back on the shelf. You know, there's a lot to learn from that data collection. I was kind of wondering um, just a while ago when you, I mean... I've heard about this, uh, uh, you know, several times, but like how, how closely are you examining the books? I don't know. <laughs> because, you know, I can pull a book off the shelf and 
I can look at the cover and the cover may have a picture of a person and you can see their skin color. Now, does that mean the book is about that person? Likely most of the time, but not always. Yeah. And, you know, what if the book is about Blue Jays? Right. And, well, you know, because th- then do you how, do you include them in the count, or, or you know, are they com- you know not included? It just it seems like it seems awesome, but it seems like the the how and the procedure could be tricky. Well, I'm I'm totally hoping to leave that up to the students to figure out. Oh, okay, like that's part of data collection is like determining your categories and everything. I can see us landing on like categories that where animals are the main characters categories where it's just objects categories where for example or a book where it's all white people Mm -hmm. um all black people all you know we could have asian we could have you know native american or then we can have like there's there's many races represented in the Mm -hmm. same book you know um, I don't know. I, I honestly think that I'm, I've been picturing that, like, I'm going to give each kid a stack of 20 books and just say, like, what do you notice here? If you have to make some categories, what would your, right. what would your categories be? I can just see like starting off with eight categories in mind and finishing and having like 47 categories. And I think that's okay because that's what probably happens in real data collection. Yeah. What do you think, Ruth? I, I'm on there. I just am thinking how many books are in your library? Is there a... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So Tracy had this great idea and she jumped into this lake, not yeah. realizing just how big and, you know, hard to swim in this lake was. Well, but, but this, that's the thing. Like we might get into it and realize that you have to do it. We have to do a representative sample. Yeah. You know, we have to do like... 20% of the graphic novels and 20% of the easy fiction and 20% of the novels. And I don't know, like now it's turned into a whole lesson on the census. Yeah. That's <laughs> the whole point. Like th- yeah. this, this can take, it seems exciting. Yeah. It seems daunting to me and to, you know, have 12, eight year olds, but it's going to be great. They're not eight year olds. Nine year old, nine and 10. ten. You're right. Yeah. So, I also am like thinking back to that teacher we just encouraged to use your classroom, <laughs> to use our class time. This project might take you the whole year. Is there a deadline um, for when you have to have it done? We hope to, I mean, well, so in all honesty, the there's like a grant reception at the end of the year. So you have to be pretty, you have to kind of wrap it up by then because you have to present, you know, you have right. to share your findings and anytime you get a grant. Um, so we just backed it up from there. So we want them to do the writing of the book talks. So we gave them like a month to get that done to, you know, read some books and write the book talks. And then, so we backed it up from there, like two weeks is when the books should arrive. So we backed it up from there that, you know, two weeks from that <laughs> is when the book should be ordered. So we basically gave us all the possible part of the year and then sometime in the spring we say okay here's where we have to order the books (laughs) and i think this is not you know Hmm. if you got to the end of this of your plan and it just turned out to be too big of a thing i you know now for you know to pretty up this grant reception you want to be completely done but i don't at all think it's illegitimate to be hey 
we got into something and realized this, and it's much bigger of a deal than we thought right. it was. And we've gotten this far, and we're really excited that we're going to keep doing this. Um, you know, I, th- I think that's, uh, you know, in my idea, in my brain, that's completely fine. And that shows that you're really trying to work on it and you're trying to do something. It's not just, hey, we followed step one, two, and three, and now we got some books. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, it happens. I know at, at, at work, the, the Teach and Learning Center that I work for, we offer these grants for teachers to um, use if they need money to help them work on an idea they're going to bring in the classroom or go to a conference to learn something. And often they come back at the end of the year and they're like, Hey, I found this out, but there's still this thing I'm still not sure about. And, and, you know, they've, they've gotten into a, into not a problem, but into a, a question that turned out to be a bigger question than they thought. And yeah. often it, 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 they're not actually done. You know, they may have spent all the money we gave them, but <laughs> they're, you know, they're still on this question and, and are trying to make it better and do something else with it. So. Yeah. And I, and I could see, to go back to what you said, Ruth, about the, the teacher that we just encouraged to do this in their class, like think about how how many other areas this is going to cover too. Like it's going to be communication and writing and researching. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe they, they look at their own classroom collection and don't start Ooh, in the school library. That's a great idea. Because, you know, the school library has thousands and thousands of titles and maybe – they have 200 in their in their classroom and that's they great. and that's a much smaller bite. Yeah. I love that idea. All right. So stay tuned. I'll try to fill you in as this goes along. I'm excited. So, I don't know if this is a good place since you're talking about your library, but didn't you find a website where you can yeah. get books oh, yeah. for your yeah. library? Yeah, it's if called you go. It's called First Book Marketplace. I was looking to buy a couple of um, books that have to do with math and that had diverse characters, picture book kind of things for my kids' classroom, like for my own kids' classroom as a gift to their teacher. And I did what I always do, which is search up uh, the options on Twitter and, you know, various combinations of words to see if there... I I know of some books, but I wanted to see if there were others. And Allison... Krasno, I might be saying that wrong. Um, a tweet by her came up and she shared that if you work at a Title I school, um, there's a site called First Book First Book Marketplace. Um, and they have books greatly discounted um, that they will sell to you. And I feel like they've really curated their collection well. Um, there are just a lot of well-known books there. It's not like these discount, like if you go to Ollie's or something, I don't know if that's where you live, but they're like, uh, where'd this book come from? It's not like that. They're, <laughs> they're, they're real books. <laughs> and I'm sorry to the people who have books in Ollie's, in Ollie's but um, they are well-known books, good authors, and I feel like they do a really good job of trying to make their collection diverse and have not just a bunch of white people books or books about white people by white people. Well, um, if their focus is Title I schools, then they're probably going to want to, yeah. you know, yeah, have collections or have, have a collection that is going to be more, you know, more representative of, of schools that end up right. being Title I schools. So, I mean, the books are like 50% off in a lot of cases. So I have gotten, I've gotten two orders now and um, they are very, I got, you know, like the second time I got a coupon from them and I got seven bo- seven novels, like middle grade novels for six bucks. You can't beat that. 
Wow, I know for sure. Um, you spend twenty five dollars and it's free shipping. It it see it's one of those websites where you're like, uh, is this gonna work? Is this real? It's legit, and you just have to sign up to say that you are you know to to confirm that you work at a Title One school or there's some other categories like a after school program or a nonprofit or something. Yeah. When you said when you told me the first time, because normally you you find the book titles and I get them off of Amazon. Yeah. And you said, oh, look, there's something about this first book marketplace that I'm like, yeah, yeah. You look at that for about five minutes, and then I'll go ahead and order these books off on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I don't want to. I don't know. It just it just it seemed like it was one of those way too good deals. Or yeah, this works if you dot 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 or, or whatever. Like Ruth, like the time you told me you were going to get twelve pairs of Keens <laughs> for for twenty yeah. bucks or something. <laughs> That was actually Mike, but I'm the one who told you. (laughs) Yeah. So that's a resource worth looking into. They're not library quality, so we won't be able to purchase our new library books. um, Bound to be bound or permabound bound things. Yeah. There seem to be a lot of paperbacks. Okay. I think we're ready to move into um, the final thing we wanted to talk about, uh, which is fraction. Comparing fractions. Yay. All right. So... (laughs) Um, Ruth, do you want to talk about why we're talking about this first of all? (laughs) Well, we on our runs still talk about multiplying and dividing decimals, but we feel like maybe you are tired of listening to multiplying and dividing (laughs) decimals. And Tracy did this PD for her teachers on comparing fractions. And sometimes, I mean, we even talked about it this morning, like, have we talked about this before? But it's not all in one concise place. Yeah. So it's not like we have some new revolutionary way to teach comparing fractions, but it's all here in the right place. And I think he, Trace even mentioned at the beginning that if you are someone who does PD, this would be a really great resource for you to take and um, run with it. So we're doing it because we don't know what else to talk about. We want a podcast. We like bouncing ideas off of each other. Um, and we still run and we still talk about math. We're just trying not to rehash what we've done the last two years. Because yeah. as Jay mentioned last time, we are in year three of this podcast. Yeah. And we, we did hear feedback from, you know, at least one person about the practical problems Um episodes mm-hmm. and how the value in you know lots of people we were we're just sharing ideas that other people have written about that we've learned about from other people but she said to us like the fact that you have it all in one place nobody else has brought together all of these different things to be in this one concise place so we're hoping that that's what this can be for you potentially um we're going to share the 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 Google Slides that I use for this presentation. I did it on Zoom. Um, so I'm going to share them. And if you are really trying to like get the content, I would suggest you pause and open up the, those slides and follow along with us as we go. We'll wait for you. We'll wait for you. <laughs> wait time, wait time. Okay. Um, I just want to say this is the slideshow in the last episode. You were talking about showing me something to ask me questions to get my read on it. And you were impressed with how much of Tracy math language I was using. You are so right. And these are the slides. I just remember looking at them and going, oh yeah, this is, you know, how how the comparisons are working in the different slides and the different examples you're showing. And this is yep. the one where I demonstrated that I have indeed listened to something 
in the last two years. You've learned something by being on a math podcast. Yes. Awesome. So I just will share that at the beginning of this, I let the teachers know that the main goal was that they would walk away with the content knowledge of how to compare fractions conceptually and, you know, with using four or more strategies. I think I can think of at least like four or five maybe even six strategies. Um, and I was hoping that they would walk away with the content knowledge of that. Um, and I let them know that there would be a little bit of how to, t- how to teach it. You know, there's, there's the, both the content knowledge and the pedagogy. There would be less of the pedagogy, but all, it would be there. And then if we got to it, we'd talk about how that moves you into adding and subtracting. And Ruth, at any point, just jump in, okay? I don't want this I'm to be here, okay. a complete monologue, but <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think it's important to set up the the norms. I just, uh, in case you're somebody who's going to lead something like this, I let them know that I wanted there to be equity of voice. So that's kind of my kind way of saying, like, no one person should be answering. Don't hog all the questions, yeah. Gina. Yeah, <laughs> Gina. <laughs> um which happens, right? We, we've all been in that situation. So I, you have to say it. And I, I don't know if the person who is, has the tendency to be that person would really get it. But anyway. Um, Likely the person who's that person is listening today. Yep, you're right. So this is your, this is your cue, friends. If, if someone says equity of voice and you like to talk a lot in a session, back off a little bit. Take a breath. <laughs> yeah. Um, I should say that to myself in this podcast. So <laughs> I also gave my little soapbox conversation about growth mindset language or using growth mindset language because in way too many of these kinds of situations, teachers immediately go to like fear, right? Well, we've talked about that before. Just mm-hmm. fear of, I don't know this or I'm, you know, I was never good at math. Like they just immediately say those kinds of things. So I need to take a pause right now. And you spoke about growth mindset. Yeah. And I was reading my third grader's book report last oh, night. Oh, I know. And he is talking, he just read the book Hatchet. And in there, he's talking about these, you know, a, a brief summary as he's getting ready to do his, his project. And he said something about the main character deciding or having a growth mindset at getting better at being stuck in the alone in the wilderness. Yeah. And I was like, his teacher is going to know he didn't make that up. But the thing is, like it, normally a teacher would know that, your mama said that to you. Uh-huh. But the thing is, his teacher knows Tracy. Are you saying I told him that? No. I'm oh. saying he, she knows that we we use that language in our house. Oh, okay. They also use it all the time in their classroom. Okay. Yeah. But I was Big like, time. what the? Any, like if if anybody had turned something to me and it said growth mindset in there, I'd be like, okay, take it back and you write it this time. No, that but was totally him. <laughs> I know. And I know. I know. And I wasn't trying to imply you wrote okay. it for him. Okay. But- that we use that language in our house so much that it becomes, you know, the kind of the kind of language you're comfortable writing in a book report in third grade. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. anyway, that's I just had to throw in a little growth mindset, Jim. Yeah, I was trying um, to make sure he's not down here hearing this. <laughs> Side note, <laughs> parent hack. <laughs> we were like, dude, just go write the book report. Don't you remember there's voice to text? <laughs> So we, he dictated his book he, report. Yeah, but yet there was a lot of editing to do, and we yeah. learned a lot about um, co- that you have to use periods, <laughs> and you can't start a sentence with and. And sup, dudes is not a book, is not a word. He didn't say that. <laughs> anyway, I even checked in with his teacher, and she said she she would only say that voice to text wasn't allowed if I wanted her to. <laughs> She's like, I can go either way. 
Okay. Um, and then advocate. I the final norm was advocate for your own learning, which means um, I wanted people to be like, hey, I don't understand what you're saying. S- slow down and or explain that again, um, because I feel like there's this again a fear to admit that you don't know what somebody's talking about. Um, I don't. I don't know that. I feel like they, when I presented this, the equity of voice and the growth mindset were great. I don't know if the people who were not sure advocated for their own learning. I don't can't say that as much of that happened. Just mean like stopping and speaking up if you don't understand something mm-hmm. instead of sitting there and being lost. Okay. Yeah. And, and, I, and I added that because th- this work across the grade level, across the schools in the fifth grade pod that I've been working in lately... Like I, I've realized that people will just sit and listen and have no idea what you're talking about. And they're too afraid to say, yeah, I don't have any. So are these teachers or are these coaches that you're doing this? It was, it was all teachers. It was open to fourth and fifth grade teachers. And I had around 10 ish, nine ish people say, you know, it was open to everyone across the whole city and it was somewhere around 10 people came. Um, Yeah. Okay. So then we jumped into, we're going to learn five strategies to compare fractions you might could call it six um but i said i'm going to show you an image and i want you it's and it's going to be four pairs of fractions that are being compared and i want you to um like go through and compare them in your head and then figure out what's the same what's the what did you do every single time in each one of these so that was kind of the setup does that make sense what i just Mm -hmm. said um, okay, so I think we're gonna try to have some team off whatever here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna flip to slide four. For here? No, it's not a competition. It's okay. just I want to stop talking okay. so much. So on slide four now, what do you, you guys have to say it? What, like I, I made the teachers do it too. So what are you seeing here, and what strategy? Oh, the, so I was really when I looked at. P, at at the slide was like, look how she used the whole instead of having each fraction say one fourth, one fourth, one fourth. Okay. So you actually have your whole there with three pieces. Obviously they're fourths because you can tell that there's one missing, but not obviously they're fourths because they're labeled one fourth, how their fraction bars are. This is almost, um, what am I trying? Like if you ask a student to model three fourths on their desk, Mm -hmm. could they do it? Or if they had to do it without their pieces specifically labeled, it would be higher level thinking. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when you're just pulling a piece out of the tub because it says one fourth on it, it doesn't require as much as if yeah. they're erased. Totally. And I just don't have fraction bars with them erased. Yeah. But Jay, that's what struck me. Yeah. You know, and of course your colors are the same here. So you're looking at the same denominator, but I know that's not what you that's not the vocabulary right. that you taught this strategy. And I think the reason why is good, but I'll let you share that. Jay, do you want to say anything about this slide you're looking at? Well, I remember what I said the first time. You want well, to say that again? Sure. You get a chance to show off. Oh, good. Now everybody's going, <laughs> that was all he said? <laughs> Dork. Um, I, I noticed right away that in each problem that you were using the same size pieces 
or the same denominator, but you would use, you would say the same size pieces. And that's, so that's the language I was using, um, but different numbers of those size pieces or those, you know, portions or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, you are always in this one compare in, in, in real talk, you were comparing the numerators because the denominators were the same. But, you know, it, you because it's visual right away, some people are going to be drawn right away to the to the numbers you wrote because you wrote the fractions above them, mm-hmm. um, like the math problem. But beneath it, you have the visual part. So peop- some people are going to look at, it, oh, so these are the same kind of pieces. There's just, I'm looking at how many pieces are on one versus the other. Yeah, that last thing that you said was really clear. All of it was clear. But, you know, that's that's the strategy here. If If you have the same kind of piece and you have more of the same kind of piece or less than the same kind of piece, it's easy to compare. I do like what, what Ruth said about having them against the whole. And I didn't, I didn't verbalize that before, but that really helps cement that this is three quarters. Cause you can, it's not a, a piece with three quarters shaded or, or that kind of thing. You see a hole above the, the three quarters of one or on that next one, the hole above the one third. Yeah. I think it's important to, I don't think we, no one actually said this. Um, we're actually looking at an image of Cuisinaire rods that was, these are Cuisinaire rod pieces. Um, and they were, they, it was created from MathSpot, that, the website that we talked about last time. Um, the, it's a visual, I mean, it's a virtual manipulative site. And so I went in and, and used the pieces to create these, snipped them and then gotcha. put them on here. Well, if everyone and at think, home followed directions, they have opened this up and they're looking they at it They would right have known now. that. You're right. Yeah. But <laughs> I also think there's so much it's <laughs> for a student to be looking at this and see that the whole is different. Even just that you have fourths. So the little red pieces in the top one mm-hmm. are a different set than the same colored pieces are at the bottom. And so it helps you understand that you can't just look at the color and those red ones are always fourths because depending on your hole, they've changed. Yeah, exactly. I love it. And as the, and as the leader of the PD, I put this in here for all those reasons that you're saying, but also it was very possible that I was going to have teachers who've never even touched Cuisinaire rods in this particular Mm -hmm. setting. So I did, I did, I made that choice on purpose. So then after that slide of them looking at them and trying to verbalize what was happening, then I, and I just have a slide that talks about like summarizing this strategy and we're going to call it the same size parts strategy. And I just want to point out that like Jay went to the numerator and denominator language which is totally fine. But it's one of those things where like if the word has meaning or if the, if the name of the strategy ha- or the vocabulary word, any of that has meaning, I think the kids are less likely to get it mixed up. If Because if you say like, oh, if it's the same denominator, then you compare the numerators. Like it's just as easy to say that backwards if it doesn't mean anything to you. Yeah. You know, the, in the same way that people get that, I don't want teachers to teach the if it's a square, if it's a rectangle, if it's a rectangle, it's not necessarily a square. Like, I don't think that that is helpful because it you can just get it flipped and then it's trash. Well, I think mnemonic devices help some people, but they can also get easily twisted. And if all you're doing is remembering a sequence of words and not the concept, then it's easy to get mixed up. Like me telling you, when you go to the store, 
don't get half and half. Well, sure, as the world, you're going to come back with a carton of half and half because I use those words and you heard them. Yeah. Um, and and I was also going to say, I like the going to the you know parts versus whole as opposed to, you know, if they don't know numerator and denominator yet, which is quite possible, don't go top number over bottom number Ooh, because yeah. that's, you know, like I can quickly go through my brain like, how would I say this to somebody? And, you know, oh, that's, I mean, that's even worse of a, like, that's not reinforcing what it means and it's not helping anybody. And I'm sure, I'm sure everyone out there knows, you know, knows that, but, you know, I was thinking how, how else could you try to, um, well, not dumb down the language, but use language that they can understand right away um, that would not be helpful. Mm -hmm. Good call there, Jay Provent. Thanks. Ruth, you got anything else to say about that one? No, I just, when he said top number and bottom number, that makes me, it just reinforces to kids that fractions are two numbers and they're not two numbers. It's just a number. So it's really important for them, you know, for us to talk about it as if it is just a number. When I said that, did you wince and look at your computer as ugly as Tracy looked at me? (laughs) (laughs) No, it was good. I was sort of, I was proud of you for knowing that. All right, so for those of you following at home, we are moving on to slide six, and I'm gonna I'm gonna describe in general what's happening there, and then uh, these two folks over here are gonna try to summarize the strategy. So this time it's four comparisons um, on each one, I or pairs of fractions that are being compared. Um, I have the the number like the fraction written, and then the models are um, the pattern blocks and they're hexagons yes yellow hexagons with pieces filled in over top of them and i will also mention that i i like for the first one it says one half and one third like and one third and there's a empty box so that the teacher has to look at it and think about either using the fractions or using the model they have to think about what um sign would go there greater than or less than okay so what do we think about this one y'all So on this one, you have the same amount of pieces, but the, or the same, the same amount of parts, but the sizes are different. So I'm looking at one red and one blue, that's one half and one third or two fourths and two sixths. So the amount has stayed the same. Yeah, the number the number of pieces. Jay, you want anything to that? For me, <clears throat> seeing this represented, this is kind of like a shaded whole representation as opposed to the um, Cuisinier bar, Cuisinier rods lined up beside each other. For me, visually, for some reason, I can look at these and quicker tell you which one's larger than I could the the lined up Cuisinier rods. Hmm. Looking at the picture. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, cool. looking at the looking at the visual part, I can tell right away that a half is bigger than a third. For some reason, I can visually compare those quicker than I could Cuisinier rods lined up against each other. Okay. So, it's important to note that what you've just named is that the first page was all a, a linear or maybe a, you might call it a measurement model. So, where the where it's sort of like a number line model and then this one is an area model you Mm kind of use that word but that was an intentional decision that i wanted to 
jump back and forth between linear models and area models because I feel like it's important that students see both of those when they're learning to compare or really do anything with fractions. So I noticed that you used MathBot that we talked about in the last episode yeah. for the first one. And yeah. now you're using Graining Camp. And I think it's I think it's important to say that you asked me to reach out to the guy on MathSpot and say, hey, can you put the purple and brown pieces on your website? Yeah. And his reply was, purple and brown, what are those? And as soon as I sent him a link, it wasn't even like two hours and he had updated that website. Yeah. So Braining Camp is really awesome, but you have to pay unless you get a free trial for 30 days. Last year I got a free trial and then we went to COVID and <laughs> I yeah. didn't even get to use it because I couldn't get it out to all the students. So so you can get the brown spot is a great resource. Yeah. And you know, you gave Braining Camp the credit here for using their resource because they did have the purple and brown. Right. Um, I think it's also, you can't see it, but we'll, I'll explain it, that the final pair of on this slide has the whole as two whole hexagons smushed together. Um, and that was intentional. I wanted them to see that the whole doesn't always have to be the yellow piece. It could be the red piece or it could be the green piece, but mm -hmm. I made it two hexagons smushed together. Um, or the whole isn't always one hexagon or one thing. A whole could, you know, be two things. Right. Which that changed the name of your blue mm -hmm. diamonds, which for a lot of students, sometimes that's exactly kind of where we were when you first, when I, we first started and I said that you didn't have the fractions written on there. Um, those are rich conversations for students to understand that those pieces can change. Wait, when this is being presented, do the numbers not show up at first? No, on the pattern blocks, they don't. What are you talking about? Like to the teachers? Yeah. No, the numbers come at the same time. Okay. I think she's meaning like... If they're not written on the pieces. Yes. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so just to summarize, that the first strategy that we talked about was having, when you have the same size parts or same denominator, this one is when you have the same number of parts. So you have... Or the same numerator. Right. Or the same numerator. Exactly. And so... Th then you start to get into if you if you have the same number of pieces, then the one with the bigger pieces is going to be the bigger fraction. Um, straying away from like if the numerators, I mean we've all said it. If the numerators the same, then the smaller denominator is bigger. That's just so confusing to to name. I think yeah, that's stinker. Um, and then and then kids misapply that too. And they'll stop looking at the numerator and just say, oh, this, this numerator is small. It's the biggest one. Well, I think mm. in this case, the visuals help when you just said it that way. I was like, what? And then I realized, you know, if I know, if I'm just learning fractions and I don't, the, I don't see the visual representations and you're like, well, the two numerators, so the sixes are bigger. That must be, you know, sixes are bigger than four. So two sixes, meh, yeah, it's a lot bigger than two fours. Right. But because if you're not thinking of it as like like Ruth said, it's one number. It's not two numbers. Mm -hmm. And and seeing what a what a sixth is and what two sixths, you know, represents on a on a visual representation, really helps reinforce what that what that denominator means. Anything you want to add, Ruth? 
No, I think that's good. Okay. So I took a little pause at this point in my teaching, and I and I would say I probably got this move from Robert Kaplinsky in his Empowered Problem Solving course. He was he would always say like teacher hat, student hat, and he was sort of trading back and forth and like telling you some of his teacher moves. Did he really have a real hat? No hat, no oh, hat. But, so he, cool. but he did talk about it a lot. Um, so I wanted to make some of the teacher moves explicit to the to the teachers I was teaching at that point. So I just summarized, which I've, we've said some of these already, that we I used both the length model and the area model. And when I read that, so the length model was the Cuisinier rods and the hexagons, the pattern blocks was the area model. Um, when I read about this in several books to try to prepare. Um, one of the things that stood out to me was that they said, like, while you can use a set model to compare, it can be confusing because as the size of the set changes, it's almost like you are end up adding the denominators and that's confusing. Um, mm. So they were like, you may want to stay away from that at the beginning, what I read. Um and the second one being that the learners are building the strategies based on examples. So I didn't start this whole process by saying, here's the first strategy I want you to know. If you have the same size pieces, then look and see how many you have. I had the students verbalize them, bring them up, some, you know, make them up based on the examples they were seeing. And that should happen with students too, not just with adults. Even more importantly with students, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And then I pointed out, like we have already said, that the hole was changing, especially in that first one where the hole was a different color rod every time. And then in the um, hexagon one, like I said, it went from one hexagon to two hexagons. Ooh, I have to tell you something else cool. Did you know on MathSpot that you can add Cuisinier rods up to any size that you want and get, so like you can make a 12 rod or you can make a 20 rod. What color is a 12 rod? They're just, they're different colors. I don't know. <laughs> like they, he just, hmm. they just add on and you get more colors. And so you can, you know, like in real life, if you're going to make a 12, you always have to lay down like a 10 and a two beside each other to make a 12. But, but he'll, it, if you can up it and you'll get a 12 rod, that is so cool. He's got unending Cuisinier yeah. rods. Yeah. Okay. Well, like happened in real life, um, we, this is going to be a two-parter. <laughs> I prepared more than you had time for. Always. Always. Um, I got much farther than this in the real one, but <laughs> we, we also did some other cool stuff at the beginning of this. So this is going to be a two-parter of comparing fractions, and you'll have to listen to episode 80, right, to yep. get to get the rest. Um, I still think we should do takeaways, friends. Yeah, I had something in my brain, and I just lost it because we started talking about that. So keep keep we'll talking Ruth go first oh I can do it I have an oh go oh go <laughs> um the going back to slide six with the you call them pattern blocks yep over top of a hexagon do you have are there other holes other than a hexagon because you can't do a fifth on a hexagon so there's a way you could do it which would be like put five hold on one two three Imagine if you took the hexagon and you put two um, rhombi, two blue rhombuses, rhombi, beside it, then the hole would have five parts. Or I just was going to say you can put five rhombi together. So now that's your hole. 
and you can cover it with green triangles or you can cover it with. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Blue rhombine, green triangles and purple hearts. And, <laughs> well, green horseshoes. but people who are listening, if they have pattern blocks in their closet, yeah. They are these colors. I've seen recently something else. Is it like a pen- pentagon pattern block? There's not, there's just not something. No, but I've seen something like that. I'm going to have to do some digging yeah. and then I'll have to answer it. But I've seen where there are other shapes that people have created. That's fine. I was just, whole... I was wondering, I mean, a six sided works well for a lot of numbers. It does. But, you know. Like, for instance, tenths, which is a very easy thing to convert when you're doing, trying to work with fractions and decimals. You can't, we can't put that on a, Yeah. well, you could, but not in easy to manipulate pieces. You have named a drawback. I'll give you that. Yes. I want to try to bust your bubble because this is great. I was just wondering to, to develop it more if there was, if there was already a way built in. But what Rue said makes sense if your hole is a shape that is five rhombi, which I've never heard before, but I'm going to use that word all the time. <laughs> um, and then you could cover it up with the, the double triangles or whatever to, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, just okay. kind of like a tessellation. And then... Okay, look, I found it. Or take the rest of your rhombi, paint them a different color, <laughs> and then they show up differently. All right, listen. I clicked on... <laughs> all right, listen, Jay. Hush. Listen, I wasn't listening to what you just said. I need you to know this. I know. On Braining Camp, you're going to be so proud of me. Okay, on Braining Camp, I opened up I opened it up the fraction what was it called pattern block one and if you go to the bottom right hand corner they say it has basic fractions and deci is the other like um setting or whatever so when you when you choose a deci which 10 right yeah I was with these, you the whole time okay <laughs> these other shapes show up so I'll try to describe them there's the the one sailboat yeah, there's the ones we already know, the green triangle, the blue rhombus, the red trapezoid, and the yellow hexagon. But there are other shapes. There's a purple tri a big purple triangle that is made of four green triangles. Right. There's a long pink trapezoid. This is testing my geometry knowledge <laughs> that's made up of I would say it's a the red trapezoid plus two more triangles. I was going to say four triangles, just not the same. One, two. Or is it three triangles? Or is three. it five? Let's put it on the thing and see. Oh. One, two, three. It's five. It is, okay. You can snap it onto the grid, the triangular grid, and it's five triangles in a row, making a ha- trapezoid. Gotcha. Ruth, are you looking at it with us? So I tried, but I don't have access she to it. She ran out so of her I'm trial on listening. Camp. Okay, I'll keep going. The next one is, what the heck shape is that? One, two, three, four. A it's a pentagon like you asked for. Look at this. I deliver. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Except she doesn't know what it is. <laughs> it's a hexagon with one triangle stuck up on one side, which makes a pentagon. <laughs> why, why is that so funny? Um, the, the description. Yeah. Okay. The next one is. A, it's a non-regular pentagram, a pentagon. Yeah, irregular. Irregular. Yeah. Because it's, they're not all, it looks like a tear, kind of like a teardrop thing. Or, yes. Or a diamond shape, not like the diamond. But like a diamond in your ring. Yes. Okay. The next one is a tall trapezoid, I might call it. Ooh, what is that made out of? A hexagon with, with triangles. A triangle, two triangles added to it on the base on either side. 
And then there's a big old triangle <laughs> made out of a lot of triangles. Big old triangle. Okay, you could call it a hexagon with three triangles added to it. And finally... The submarine. Oh, a, a, tr- a hexagon. It's brown. It looks like a boat. <laughs> I don't even know. Is I wonder if that's 10, which might mean why it's called Desi. Must be. Six, seven, eight. It is 10. I can see it. There's two on either side of the hexagon base to make a boat. Cool. Okay, you really got to open Braiding Camp, y'all, yeah, and play with it because cool, yeah. they're pretty cool. That would be a great extension to do fractions with other pieces. I love this. Ruth, Aren't are you, you still I asked there? A question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what do you think? Nothing. She said it looks beautiful. <laughs> so I can't see it, but yeah. maybe that will be my takeaway to go get back on. I just feel like I want to wait until we've moved into fractions if I only get 30 days. Ooh, for sure. That's true. For sure. So yeah. I might just have to like put this on hold and come back and listen to you guys describe all the shapes okay, once so, I have it in front yeah. of me. So here's what we'll do. We will do this because you're not the only person who's like, I got to wait and give my 30 days on the right time. We will um, put some screenshots. Yes. Of this on. And all these cool shapes. This is really cool. They're pretty. All right. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> what's, did you already say your takeaway? That was my takeaway. Ruth, you, what's you your. answered my takeaway. Okay. Yes. And that was my takeaway that I need to see the screenshot so yeah. I can feel like I'm part of this. <laughs> <sighs> my takeaway is that I think it's a podcast takeaway. And that's that I'm realizing the some of the things that we feel like can be kind of like oh duh nobody needs to hear that there's value in those things of like having one place where we talk about practical problems having one place that we talk about fractions so i think that can be some of a little bit of our strategy in the future other things like this that you know and based off of when we do research to present it to teachers or to you to get ready to teach it like we can use those as future episodes and so maybe if you have one out there that you want to, you know, like you want a primer on a topic, let us know and we'll see what we can do. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Or maybe you've got something really cool that you want to present to us. Oh, yeah. Like if you've done a recent <laughs> PD, mm-hmm. that's a good idea. Yep. Yeah. All right. It's been real. And I think I'll see you on our And run. it's still really nice outside, so we can continue to run yes but not today you gotta get to work yeah true yeah not today all right Ruth see you on a run okay bye